3: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTmobile.com.
0: It's been a rough year for stocks, and that's putting it mildly. But at least if you've been listening to the Gains podcast, you were aware of the down markets coming and then could invest appropriately. Now we're turning towards a new year with new hope. But folks, we're not out of the woods yet. And our guest today says a secular bear market could be on the table. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Games. All right, let's bring on Jim Welsh macro strategist, and portfolio manager at MacroTides.com, based in San Diego. Jim, always great to have you on the Gaines Podcast.
4: Hey, always uh, good to join you, Andy. And first and foremost, I want to wish you and all the listeners of uh, your Gaines Podcast uh, a happy, healthy uh, new year. And uh, also, uh, I just want to acknowledge that I think you've done a great job this past year. In providing quality information to listeners, uh, which has allowed them, I think, to become more knowledgeable about financial markets, uh, take advantage of some of the crazy swings we've seen. And, uh, you know, this was a tough year. uh, And I think next year, uh, you know, at least for the first half or so has the potential being a, a difficult year. So, just want to congratulate you for doing a good job. And, Jim, you're
0: a big part of those conversations as well, and and we can't thank you enough. And you have a special uh, offer for the uh, GAINS listener, really good information, and a forecast. Tell them how to, to
4: find that. Well, the, the special report, Andy, is entitled The Coming Secular Bear Market. All they have to do is send me an email, jimwelshmacro at Gmail. I'll send this special report out, and I'll probably include a recent um, uh, monthly issue of Macrotides and one of my weekly technical reviews, all as uh, part of the the season of giving uh, that we're in. And also, out of appreciation for their listening to uh, Gaines' podcast,
0: and take Jim up on that offer. It's a there's a ton of great information that you're going to be able to use going into the next year. So we'll uh, definitely take Jim up on that. Jim, one more time, give him that email.
4: <laughs> uh, Jim Welsh Macro at Gmail. But let's start
0: with that. You kind of teased. This special offering, what are you seeing going forward? And kind of give us a little uh, primer on what we can expect on that, that forecast.
4: Yeah, well, basically, if you look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average over the last forty hundred and forty 140 years, pardon me, you'll see these big extended periods of rising prices, uh, a secular bull market, which are then followed by a secular bear market, that can last anywhere from 10 to 15 years. We saw one between 2000 and 2010, which included a couple very significant declines in the S&P. But those declines were quickly reversed by a combination of fiscal and monetary policy. The more protracted one occurred from 1966 to 1982, and that was instigated when inflation broke out in 1966 and the Fed – Uh, had to respond to it. So to me, there's some parallels, not exact, but there are parallels between the window that we've just seen 2022 and looking back to 1966. So the point is, just very simplistic in one regard that uh, like night follows day, secular bear markets follow secular bull markets. And I look at debt, uh, the increase in debt over the last 30, 40 years, uh, demographics, and how that uh, will really limit uh, GDP growth in the United States for the next 20 years to less than 2%. And at the same time, with big increase in debt, uh, back in 1982, uh, government debt was 60% of GDP. It's now 130%. And as interest rates go up, more and more of the annual budget has to be allocated toward you know, servicing the huge mountain of debt And that means those funds can't be used in other spending, whether it's social spending, military spending, it doesn't matter. They get crowded out because supporting and servicing debt becomes preemptive. So, uh, again, there's a bunch of other things I cover in that report, a lot of charts. Uh, As I said, I think people will find it instructive, interesting. uh, And I just want to jive, if you will, people's minds. Most people have been conditioned and told to buy and hold only. And that works great in a secular bull market, but a secular bear market plays by an entirely different rule set, and it really requires people to become more tactical, not with all the portfolio, but at least a portion of the portfolio to be able to de- deal with the big ups, and more importantly, some of the really big downs that happen during a secular bear market. What, so, I mean, what
0: kind of it, time frame it, are we looking here? I mean, kind of lay out what, how this plays out a little bit since you've kind of teased yeah. this.
4: Uh, well, I I think potentially it began this year, as I said, with the behavior of inflation in 2021 20, and 2022 is very similar to what happened in 1966, and the monetary policy required to bring inflation down from 40-year highs, it doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take time. There's going to be a certain amount of inflation or pain, if you will, that has to be experienced. And the piece basically says, hey, we've got some big problems that have been kind of on the back burner for a long time. And there often happens is during a secular bull market, they go from the back burner to the front burner. And by their nature, they don't get solved in two or three years. So from a time standpoint, I think it's possible. We've already begun a secular bear market. Historically, 10 years is the minimum Uh, more likely 15. And I think, as I discussed in that piece, Andy, that some of the challenges that we're facing, to me, imply that it's likely to be closer to the 15-year time period. Um, And again, it's just a question of waking investors up, making them aware of this possibility, and then thinking and then taking action to maybe change the way they've been investing for much of their investing lifetime, Uh, because if they don't, if you're 45 or 50 years old and there's a 15-year secular bear market, you know, when it comes time to retire, you're not going to have the pool of funds that you really thought and hoped you would have, because that's what secular bear markets do.
0: And and let's kind of just talk about how do you handle that? How do you position yourself? I mean, you've hit us with some pretty heavy news here at the end of the year and yep. looking out really kind of this could go on for a while what's yep. the play what's your advice for folks
4: well i think this year kind of offers a little bit of a road map potentially andy in the sense that we have seen some significant declines we then have seen 10 to 15% rallies and so first of all if you're just buying and holding you're down you know 15% uh, or more in the s&p down over 30% in a nasdaq uh, the Russell's somewhere in between. So buying and holding has not been rewarded. If you have bonds, they've gone down uh, a lot. So the 60-40 allocation, which worked beautifully in, in uh, the, the secular bear market from 2000 to 2010, has worked terribly this year. So the point being is it means that just instead of buying and holding, people have to have the skill set to identify when a, a decline is likely, and then at the same time, be able to identify when the market is poised for rallies of 10 to 15 percent so that which you we've kind tactical. of as
0: as you kind of were talking about at the beginning. I mean, that is the cycle that we've been seeing throughout the year. I mean, we're just coming off of one. A lot of people, when the markets climbed off those lows and started uh gaining a little traction. A lot of people got really, really bullish for things to turn again. So uh, this is, you're saying a lot more of this to come. Yes.
4: Yeah. Because again, I I don't think monetary policy is going to be able to solve the, the inflation problem in one fell swoop. Now, Chair Powell and other members of the FOMC have said they want to avoid the mistakes of the 1970s, where they would jam on the brakes, raise the Fed funds rate aggressively, tipped the economy into a recession, which then forced them to do an about-face, ease interest rates down, and the net result, inflation never was fully squeezed out of, um, you know, the economy. And, uh, and the net was that inflation kept getting higher and higher from 1966 to 1981-82. So um, the Fed wants to avoid that, Andy, but, uh, you know, what, uh, Chair Volcker did back in 1980-81 is raise the fund raise to 20% and cause a very deep recession. Powell is attempting to avoid that. But, you know, things do happen that are beyond all of our control. And it's certainly possible that next year there will be some, uh, you know, uh, surprises along the way. So my point being is that uh, you have to be kind of nimble and flexible in terms of, Uh, you know, how one invests. And it takes time to develop that skill set. It's taken me decades. Um, But the first thing people have to do is recognize that, wait a second, the rules may have changed. And if I'm playing this game using the old rules, I'm going to wind up being a potential loser. And that, I think, is the first step, because then it requires a commitment on individual investors and financial planners. Believe me, they're maybe worse because they've Drunk the Kool Aid that all you have to do is buy and hold and look at how the market always comes back. And if you're diversified, everything works out great. Well, t- this year, the 60 40 had its worst performance in many, many decades. So, uh, again, it's just kind of a call to action for people to think about this because they, in most cases, I don't think they have. And then, you know, what I'm attempting to do is explain all the reasons why this is possible to have some gravitas to the the thought discussion that people will have with themselves and maybe their financial planners and so forth Um, because it just, it's really important. (laughs) It's just that simple.
0: This doesn't bode well for growth. It seems like the value growth uh, battle uh, we're going to see value as the winner here, especially long-term. You know, we're a big fan of the uh, Dow theory uh, here on the gains podcast, talk about it all the time. So With this latest forecast, it's clear that you definitely see a retest of those lows we put in before.
4: Yeah, that's been my view. I expected in mid-October, I thought we could see a rally that would take the S&P up to around 4,100. You know, what I said was 4,050 to 4,150. As it turned out, it got exactly to 4,100. But I think as we go into next year, and based on Chair Powell's comments last week as well as for, you know, a number of months— Their intention is to raise the fund rate a little bit more. People are going to get excited at the point in time where the Fed actually hits the pause button. That will probably be a trigger for a rally. But what people have overlooked, especially on Wall Street,
0: is that the intention
4: is that they're going to keep it there. And so what's going to happen, Andy, is all the rate increases we've seen since this past March will slowly but surely weigh on the economy And things like the yield curve, which uh, has obviously inverted, the leading economic indicators, which I prefer as a a much more timely recession indicator, have been negative for eight months in a row. And then lastly, in the third quarter, uh, banks increased their lending standards pretty aggressively. Historically, when that happens, it chokes off the availability of money. So the Fed's been raising the price now the banks are starting to cut back on availability. When you add all that up, it, to me, it, it suggests that the probability of a recession is really high. And the, the key point I would make, based on Chair Powell's comments, is he said it would be a bigger mistake to ease too soon. So let's translate that. What does that mean? That means as the economy shows more signs of slowing in the first half of next They're year. They're going to
0: continue to hold those higher rates and aren't going exactly, to and, Exactly. And and that's what you were talking about how the rules have changed yep. things of just buying and holding, uh, you know, buying these dips. Oh, it's going to come back. You got to be more selective on the stocks that you buy, the type of sectors that you hold and the moves that you're making.
4: Yep. And, again, that has been conditioned. So somebody could be on Wall Street for 25 years, a lot of experience, could be very knowledgeable. But they've never experienced a 40-year high in inflation. And all they've experienced over the last 20 years is anytime things got a little dicey, the economy started to weaken, the Fed would cut rates aggressively. But the key point is they were able to do that because inflation was around 2%. Well, now every measure of inflation is north of 6%, and the key one, the labor market, which I'm going to go into great detail in my January macro tides, um, is always slow to respond to a slowdown in the economy for a number of different reasons. But the point being is that the Fed is in a position. It can't behave like it has the last 20 years, and yet most people expect the Fed to cave at the first time, a real weakness in the economy. And Powell has said repeatedly, as have a number of the FOMC members, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to hold the funds rate up higher for longer because we know it takes time to really squeeze this kind of inflation out of the economy. And that window of time when they're saying those things in the face of weakening data is when Wall Street will be really cutting earnings, and that creates a window of vulnerability. And that's why, you know, I thought the S and P could fall to 3,500. It got to 3,500 in October. Uh, I think there's the real risk, as you noted, of a retest at 3,500 and potentially a decline to 3,200. Um, that is the 61.8 percent retracement of the rally from March 2020 to the January 2022 high. And, you know, that's just a guidepost. The driver of this is the fundamentals in terms of monetary policy and how that's going to interact with the economy over the next six months. But that gives me a guesstimate in terms of where might the S&P fall. And this last year has been very, very helpful.
0: And it just shows that when the the Fed loses a little credibility – because so long they were talking about inflation transitory and and all this and 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 so when they say hey we're gonna we're gonna keep going we're gonna keep these at elevated levels because they lost that credibility uh, traders don't yeah. you know Wall Street doesn't believe them
4: yeah well, and again, they've been conditioned by the foMC the last twenty years by how the foMC has behaved but what again, what they've missed is um you know the Fed was able to respond quickly in the last 20 years in times of weakness because inflation was so low. And so, yeah, the the lack of credibility that the Fed earned by, you know, sticking with the transitory inflation narrative for so long, uh, you know, certainly has further undermined their case. Um, But, again, I just think most people um, don't fully appreciate that, yeah, the rules have changed. The Fed recognizes that the rules have changed and they've changed monetary policy. And yet Wall Street continues to act as if, you know, none of this is actually happening for real. Um, And, you know, Powell has repeatedly said how important this is. And the thing I would also note, Andy, which I think is important in the last several speeches that he's given, he's talked about the hardship that high inflation puts on lower income people that are trying to make ends meet and he looks at it as okay we have a trade-off to in the short run slow the economy yes the unemployment rate is going to go up that's going to cause some pain but longer term that will be far less pain than uh, if we choose not to address inflation quickly firmly resolvedly uh, and really bring it down because as he's pointed out Uh, Once Volcker did what he did, we then had several decades of relatively low inflation, which was great for living standards and for lower income people to be able to, uh, you know, put food on the table uh, and everything else. So I think that's the source of his conviction and a number of even the doves on the FOMC, uh, Andy, who in the past would have objected to raising rates this manner. I think they bought into it like, you know what, longer term, this is what we need to do to help the people we really want to help. So that's their motivation, and I believe Powell was very sincere When he expresses that.
0: Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday. We'll be right back with Jim after the break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
2: To support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash podcast.
3: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: All right, back with Jim Welsh, macro strategist. And portfolio manager at MacroTides.com in San Diego. How do we get that forecast again? Just remind the gains listener, Jim.
4: Send an email to Jim Welsh, W-E-L-S-H, macro at gmail.com. And just reference Andy's gains podcast, and I'll get that out. And I will also probably send you the most recent weekly technical review. Uh, So you can kind of see the merge between technical analysis and fundamental analysis.
0: Coming out of break, Jim, we were talking about the setup, talked about people, you know, rules have changed. uh, You know, people need to get up to speed and and manage their money and investments, maybe through a different lens. What is that lens?
4: Well, that lens is just becoming more tactical and uh, learning how to become defensive when it looks like a rally has uh, run out of gas. Uh, and, and then become opportunistic when uh, it looks like the market has undergone enough of a decline to get the rubber band stretched, it's oversold, and that you're likely then to get potentially some news that's less bad. As I said in the first segment, at some point in time, the Fed is going to uh, start giving speeches uh, that we're really close to the restrictive level, Uh, We're getting closer to the point where it makes sense for us to not have to raise rates anymore. And when that information starts to come out, the market is going to rally uh, pretty strongly because Wall Street will confuse that message with, oh, the Fed is done uh, and the economy is going to be okay. We'll get our soft landing and inflation will miraculously come down. Happy days are here again. So there's going to be a pretty good rally. I think when we get to that point, between now and then, year end stuff is always kind of choppy and a little crazy. Um, and the first few days of every new year, you get a lot of pension fund inflows into the market uh, and, and so forth. So early January could also be positive. So I, I just think the market has just made a high. Most of the indicators that I use to identify a solid trading low aren't in place yet, Andy. So we may get a bounce over the next uh, little period of time between now and mid-January, let's say. But I think until I see that the indicators show that the market is oversold again, um, you know, I think one should be defensive. It's that simple. We're at that in-between place where, hey, we just made a high, we're just coming off of it. And year end noise, there's so many cross currents uh, that take place. This year, more than most years tax loss selling because most people have got losses in just about everything they've owned this year so it's going to be choppy in, in fact i wanted to ask
0: you real quick is 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 that tax loss harvesting maybe why we're not getting a santa rally this year
4: um yeah i think that is contributing to wait on i mean i think the dominant thing was what Powell said last week kind of shook people up. Against like, oh my goodness, they're serious. Uh, you know, the dot plots show they're going up to 5.1 percent on the funds rate. They raised the unemployment rate, lowered GDP. All the things that I predicted they would do before the FOMC meeting, because I think the Fed is trying to convince Wall Street that hey, inflation didn't recede as fast as we thought it would. Uh, therefore, we got to raise rates a little bit further which means the economy is likely to slow down more, which is why they raised the unemployment guesstimate from 4.4 to 4.6 for next year. So that was a dose of reality. Um, And so I think that's been the predominant reason why, you know, the market has been defensive since uh, last Wednesday in the Fed meeting. Um, And then that could persist.
0: That same thing could lead to a bit of a, a pickup at the beginning of the year you kind of alluded to.
4: Yeah, I mean, again, I, this is the the end of the year and the first part of a new year. There's a lot of cross currents. It, to me, it's, it's more difficult to try to make an educated guess. Right. And at the end of the day, uh, all I'm trying to do is making is to make a, an educated guess of what I think will happen. Um, so uh, what my anticipation is that there's a sell-off coming uh, when the market gets modestly oversold. It'll set the stage for a decent-sized rally. And I think, again, the most important rally in the first part of next year will come when the Fed starts signaling that, hey, we're pretty much there. The next Fed meeting isn't until February 1st. So that's why I think there's a vacuum uh, for a period of time where the Fed is just going to continue to give speeches and harp on this messaging. We're going to 5.1. We're going to keep it up there. We're serious. And, um, you know, I think the CPI is going to continue to come down. Uh, That's all constructive. But Powell went out of his way, Andy, in his November 30th speech at Brookings to, in effect, do a pivot. In fact, that's the title of my January letter. Most people missed the, you know, Powell's pivot. And that was away from inflation. You know, they're happy to see it coming down. But Powell said most of the problem with inflation is in core services and that's directly related to the labor market. And then he went on and, and kind of said, OK, it's going to take a long time for that to really unwind, which is why we have the funds rate staying at that he- you know, high level through all of next year. So, again, when we get better CPI reports, you know, the, uh, Wall Street's going to respond. I think just like we saw this uh, last week, better CPI had a big pop. Market topped within 15 minutes after it opened after that good CPI report. I just think we're going to get more volatility like that because, as I said, in mid January, I think it's January 14th, the CPI will come out. At some point in time, we'll see the labor market, you know, job growth will slow from the 250 to 275 monthly range. Powell, in his Brookings speech, said, you know, we need about 100,000 jobs to keep up with population growth. They want to see job growth below 100,000 because that's what it's going to take to get the labor market to show signs of easing. Um, So, you know, that will be another, if you will, uh, potential uh, misunderstood fact when we get a job growth that shows, gee, we only had 50,000 jobs or minus 50,000 jobs. Wall Street may minus spend it. Oh yeah, Powell's finally getting what he wanted and you'll get a rally. So again But he's
0: still but the Fed's still going to hold and yes. that's not going to deter them from I don't know, uh, not doing for a while. or staying the course. So yeah, then, right. well I mean, yeah. are you dollar cost averaging on these dips? What's the play for investors? How do they handle well, that? I mean, we obviously don't want yeah. to just sit in a bank account with cash. Well, it is uh, for,
4: actually making some money these days. You're uh, right. So well, that's not a good the worst point. Thing in the world, um, you know.
0: uh, for a lot of us who have gotten out of the market, sold a lot of our positions at much higher levels, who are sitting on cash. I mean, I've as I've said the last couple uh, podcasts, I myself personally, when we do see these dips, I'm buying quality companies that I see a big future for. I like Meta. I'm buying Meta mm-hmm. right now on the dips i i'm a big believer in the metaverse and some of the stuff that's coming down the line i think that's a good play it's been beaten up i love bitcoin and we just recently did a uh, we have a million dollar forecast on bitcoin in the not too not too far down the road dollar cost averaging into that when opportunities what are you buying when you when you see these dips Are you buying value? Are you buying growth? That's beat down. What's, what's the play? I mean, I I guess you got to be very selective here in what you're getting in and out of and, and, and it's not just the, you know, just going with market trends. And again, you may have to be very more specific in the stocks that you buy, but I mean, what are you looking at? What's, what's your advice?
4: Well, it's, I look more at sectors and the index level itself. So, if the S&P is trading at 38.50, and I think there's a shot for 4,100, you know, to me the easiest play is go on the S&P it, it, as opposed to in this kind of environment. I think it's almost a little bit more challenging to try to say, okay, which sectors are going to do as well, if not better, than the S&P? Let's go with the S&P.
0: I um, see. So you're straight up trading. So, yes. like, on the dips, let's go long S&P. Let's use an ETF. Uh, after I'm done here, you can tell me which uh, – uh, vehicles you're using. Then yes. then markets are getting a little frothy. Unload that position. I don't know if you'd short, but you could use a, a ETF to short, or you, yes. you hold that dry powder and wait for your next move. That's kind of what I'm feeling your that, tactic that, is right now. Yeah.
4: I mean, basically that's what I try to provide in the weekly technical review that, you know, it comes out every Monday. Uh, so in mid-October, uh, early November, my take was, uh, you know, basically I was looking for a rally up towards 4100 When the S&P got to 4028 and higher, I recommended it, it's time to lighten up. Uh, so on that going into that CPI report the day before, it was like, okay, if the S&P trades above 4100 it's time to lighten up. As it turned out, it traded up to like 4102 Um So we're kind of in between now. The market isn't oversold. We've just come off a high. I think after a period of choppiness, there will be another buying opportunity sometime in the first quarter. It's just not, in, you know, I don't see it right here, right now. Uh, I like the oils back in June. I would look at XLE, which is the oil ETF. Uh, if it drops down to 76 to $78 a share, to me, that's where I would suggest it's time to buy XLE. Um, So, you know, that's one that's on the radar. I like going long TLT because I thought we were going to see Treasury yields come down as it became more obvious that the economy was slowing. And my expectation was that we would see a big decline in the consumer price index and that people would kind of confuse that with really what the Fed is doing with policy. But in the short run, it would bring Treasury yields down. And as a result, we've seen 30-year Treasury bond drop from uh, about 75 basis points. That's a big decline in less than two months. TLT ran from the low 90s, got up to 108, 109, which was one of the target range that I talked about in terms of retracement levels and so forth. So I try to be op- opportunistic. And in this kind of environment, Andy, it's like, okay, if we have a conversation two weeks from now, I might have five things to, to say, okay, these are the things that I really like you can buy them now. We're at a place, uh, as I noted, where it's like, you know what? I'm not pounding the table on anything right here, right now, because I, I think one has to respect the downside and the market is not oversold. In sectors like energy had a great year. They're kind of, I don't want to say over-owned, but you know, uh, I think they're vulnerable potentially to some more weakness. Uh, maybe especially as we get past year end, you know, where people want to take some gains, but they want to push it into next year's tax year. Right, right. You know, so. Well, that could um, be a factor,
0: actually, at the beginning of the year then.
4: Yes, exactly. Exactly. All so. Right. um Anyway, that's kind of where I'm at. I I wish I had more ideas. No, Uh, no, I I completely understand. I'd rather... When we talked a month or two ago, I thought, you know, gold at 1630, I think it's a buy. I think it's going to rally to uh, above 1730 as it started to move up. I I said, okay, 1750, 1780. When it got to 1770, I said, okay, I don't know what it's going to do here. But after you know recommending it at sixteen thirty, it's time to take some chips off the table at seventeen seventy, and I I think there's a risk that gold could drop under sixteen sixteen sometime next year. If it does, I think it'll be an unbelievably great buying opportunity.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm actually looking for that. I'm looking for that opportunity. As a lot of people know, I I was a former precious metals trader, and um, I watched gold and silver. Religiously, and I'm in the camp with you that we're gonna get, we're gonna test down at those levels, and then talk about an opportunity because I think gold, long, long term out, is gonna do really, really well, um, especially considering the setup and not having the 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 market act the way it has the last couple of years. Uh, some folks may even start looking at gold again. Crypto has lost a little bit of its luster. When, when that happens, by the way, I, that's when I buy. Sure. But, well, but no, yeah. That's, yeah. that's and,
4: the right approach, Andy, <laughs> is, is when people are throwing it out and uh, a lot of the negativity is manifesting itself in selling pressure, that's the time to start getting interested. And again, I like looking at charts because I think that gives one price levels that are important uh, and could be significant in terms of forming a bottom or top or whatever. For me, looking at gold, if somebody pulls up a chart going back to twenty twenty, uh, gold peaked at two thousand and seventy dollars. I think it's been correct and it had a big rally going into that high. I think gold has been correcting that big move up into August of twenty twenty with a you know a decline that I would label wave a. The rebound into March of this year at two thousand sixty seven is b, and I think the pattern suggests you need a one, two, three, four, five which I'm sure is just going to make listeners go like, wow, he can count to five. Um, No, the point being from a chart analysis standpoint of gold having to go below 1616. And if it does, it'll complete the correction from August of 2020. Well, that implies a really big move and opportunity in gold. Is it going to 2200? Is it going to 2500? I don't have to know that. I just have to know that, okay, this pattern is completing and there's the potential that we'll see that uh, big move.
0: As long I mean, as you're holding when it's making that move to the upside, exactly. then you, gotta, you got a ton of slush to play with as well.
4: Yeah. Okay, here's a you know, kind of a spitballing approach. I've just talked about you know, the idea that the Fed will resist easing when the economy shows signs of slowing. That could encourage a pretty significant wave of selling in the stock market. Well, selling spills over into other markets. That might be the type of thing that does cause gold to drop below 1616. 16. But what comes next? Sooner or later, the Fed is going to reverse course. And when they do, that could be what really motivates gold uh, and provides it the, the tailwind to move significantly higher. So. Um, but again, that's just a theory. i want to see it express itself in the charts themselves, and obviously the scenario that I've discussed about the Fed and what's happening with the economy also play out. But those pieces fit, and so that's, to me, what I'll be watching very closely in the first half of next year, because I share your bullishness, Andy, is that at some point in time, gold has the potential of having a fairly significant rally. It's just there could be, you know, one more decent-sized stumble before that rally begins.
0: As we wrap up today's GAINS uh, podcast, Jim, what's your takeaway? What's your final thoughts?
4: As we've talked, learn about being tactical, learning technical analysis, um, because I think it'll be really, really helpful. Um, And next year is very likely to be very similar to this year until we get to the point where the Fed will decide to reverse policy. I will add, they believe in forward guidance. They've been using it all year. Wall Street hasn't paid much attention. But sometime in the second half of this uh, 2023, Andy, I suspect we'll start to hear some uh, FOMC members give speeches about when they will begin to talk about cutting rates. That will be a very opportune time for the stock market. So, again, we're talking the second half of next year.
0: And we'll certainly have you on to talk all about them. Big thanks to Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new gains episode drops we drop gains episodes on wednesdays before i go i want to wish everybody a merry christmas and i'll see you on the other side
3: A news radio t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours